Oh, hello there, and welcome back to another episode of What's With You, Scooby Doo. Episode 119, featuring John Colton Barry. This is a super fun episode. Uh, also, freewheeling. John and I go absolutely all over the place. However, we do stay remarkably on topic as well. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we do talk about uh, Be Cool Scooby-Doo. Specifically an episode that I think is uh, pretty crazy in its... I'm going to make up a word. Homageitude? It's got some tude of an homage. How about that? I'm coining that. But feel free to use it. We also talk about uh, a lot of uh, story structure stuff. Uh, we talk about, you know, Joseph Campbell, the typical stuff that comes up, uh, as well as the book Saves the Cat, uh, Save the Cat comes up. Uh, I could not remember for the life of me who wrote it. The answer is Blake Snyder. So when I ask that, you can now yell that at your earbuds or however you choose to listen. In your car, perhaps, on a Alexa speaker. Hey, Alexa, play Billy Joel. God, I hope that worked. Uh, there is, uh, of course, John uh, worked on Be Cool Scooby-Doo. Uh, there is some behind-the-scenes stuff. Not a ton. I mean, I'm not really a, a, a gossipy gal. Uh, but I will say that the stuff that we talk about for the behind-the-scenes stuff, I find uh, really fun and interesting to me. Um, so get into that as well as everything else we talk about but enough of this babbling here's the business side of things if you want to get in touch with the podcast as always you can find us on facebook facebook.com slash what's with you scooby-doo like it if you so desire you can email the podcast, what's with you, scooby-doo at gmail.com, as well as Twitter and Instagram at WWY Scooby-Doo. You can find the dorky songs that I write at WWYSD.bandcamp.com. There are songs written for 14 of the direct-to-video movies in the Scooby-Doo franchise. Nope, 12. Uh, 14. 32. Uh, <laughs> if you are so interested in supporting the podcast, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to listen to podcasts, uh, as well as you can buy merch. You can go to let's do this, L E T S D O O T H I S dot com slash merch, M E R C H, and pick yourself up a t shirt, a pillow. A mug, any and all of the above. All that is left to say is thank you, as always, for listening. And once again, to the podcast, let's, let's do, do this. this. As cargo, whatever, like...
usually those are the sort of like, oh, it just tastes like garlic. You don't even like, well, okay, I'll just have garlic, you know, or anyone is like, oh, it's like this, only gamier, as if that's like, <laughs> oh, oh, good, okay. What's with you, Scooby-Doo, today on the podcast, Through the Miracle of the Internet? I have John, carry on my wayward son, Colton Berry. Yeah, yeah. It's like a podcast named Scooby-Doo Only Game Year. (laughs) And you're going to find out what that means, baby. (laughs) Well, welcome to the show, John. Thanks, Nick. How you doing, man? You know, uh, I just saw a, I, I, there's a dude that I do stand up comedy with who's like not a friend of mine, but like I see him at shows, and I just he lives in my neighborhood, and I just saw him carrying his daughter's bicycle up his front steps, and I don't know what it was about that image, but it just like hit me, and I was like, oh, this dude like has a life outside of, like, being drunk at 11.30 at night. <laughs> like, you know, like, uh, that that's weird. <laughs> that's kind of the day I'm having so far. <laughs> you're, you're, you're realizing that other people do other things besides getting drunk at 11.00. Besides what? what yeah, just, you, just being you like. You have a, a life outside the podcast, do you not? No, I literally shut. Oh. I'm like a robot. Like, I just shut down and then I turn back on. It's very, uh-huh. very one-dimensional. I think uh, it explains a lot about your podcast. <laughs> yeah, <the laughs> you're, just getting, you're getting it all in, yeah. Yeah, right, the unrelatability. <laughs> I'm like, is, all my Seinfeld bits are like, uh, what's the deal with RSS feeds? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just like a, it was weird to have like a shot of somebody as like a full human in one snapshot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely bizarre but how's your day going uh so far so good um just uh doing doing work as always it's it's a 24 7 job these mm. anime shows um but it's a really fun job no complaints interesting uh, uh hello puppy that's puckle puckle all right puckle look at yeah <laughs> she won't won't be held come here <laughs> She's awful. You can't see her at home there, but yeah, this is a very small dog with pink, pink rimmed eyes. Um, We adopted her. She actually was was named Linda when we when we first. (laughs) It's the worst name for this dog, Linda. You just want to hate her. Um, And she is a pretty she's a pretty bad dog, but we love her. Um, Uh, My dog, uh, 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 Birdie. (laughs) I'm just trying to think like Golden Girls style names for a dog now. Raiden, Jaden, Aiden. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ashley with the L E I G H, yep. right? <laughs> uh, uh, my girlfriend worked at Build a Bear back in the day, and they did children's birthday parties there. And there'd be, you know, the kids' names on chalkboards, and you look at some of these names, and you just be like, "Why are you get why like why does the alphabet have to be reinvented for every name?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not sure how that really helps. It's mm. like because. You meet someone you don't know the spelling that you're hearing. Sure. You know, so so the the their their newness and originality isn't you know present at all and when you you know like this is Ashley. Oh, hey Ashley. Like, oh no, no, it's M Q L G M M Ashley. It it's pronounced Ashley. <laughs> yeah. But 
Yeah. Okay. Like if you, if you had known that, my my introduction would have seemed much more interesting. But yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of people don't know about all the Z's in your name. Yes, the <laughs> silent Z's. The silent Z's are also opening up Coachella this year, by the yeah. way. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Right on. Well, typically we start off with a little history lesson, a little getting to know you. Uh, how, if at all, did you come to our Lord and Savior Scooby-Doo? You can um, take this question however you want. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, through through the uh, miracle of of Saturday morning cartoons when I was a child. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it was was the first introduction to Scooby-Doo, um, and it was mostly reruns of um, Scooby-Doo. Where are you? Yeah. The, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw out something, and I don't know if I'm correct or not. I'm gonna guess that you were an indoor kid. Um, not 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 entirely. No, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I I'm I'm a little bit antisocial and and uh, misanthropic, I guess. Uh, um, and and I was as a child also. Like crowds <laughs> and lots of people was my favorite thing. Um, but but you know, I would definitely. I lived on a, on a. I grew up on a on a, a cul-de-sac, dead end street, mm-hmm. and and there was pretty much basically a, a kid my age who went to my school, like every other house, maybe ten houses on this, and and so we were like Lord of the Flies on the street. You know, there was no <laughs> there was no food traffic. We would just you know run out and we the, we we could just play fo- a football game in the middle of the street that bl- used the whole street you know we could yeah, we, you know the most salient features of the book lord of the flies how the kids would play football yeah. <laughs> tag, tag, um, <laughs> it was like lord of the flies i was like you were murdering each other we did we did some not so great things also but let me yeah. throw this one at you let's say it was like outback steakhouse no rules just right Yes. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> a little less murder than Lord of the Fly. Sure. Um, but you play yeah, stickball. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, uh, you know, I, I think I think the the it's it's too late uh, in terms of, of, of the years that have passed. And also we were children, so no one could call the police. But I mean. We, you know, we we were climbing around in everyone's backyards and and you know, I mean, like we were we were definitely trespassing and and uh, um, sure, you know, but you weren't hitting up. mailboxes with baseball bats and stuff. No, 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 yeah. no, no. But yeah. There was definitely shenanigans and goings on. Occurring. Hijinks. There was some hijinks. It <laughs> happened. Some monkey shines. A little bit. A oh bit. my. But, um, TMZ is no, gonna have a field day with this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> writer John Colton Barry admits <laughs> to monkey shines in youth. Uh, <sighs> Anyways, but yeah, but so there was, there was, you know, there was, it was also a different era. It was a, you know, it was pre helmets and and safety and concern for your children whatsoever. Sure. You know, it was it was that time. So. So we were free to uh, explore. But you were also doing Saturday morning cartoons. I mean, you're also uh, like yeah. something of an archivist in in like my perception of you. Like you like putting like comedy into – you like structuring comedy historically and being like, well, I like the Marx Brothers. You like cataloging all this stuff in your brain. Were you doing that at a young age? 
I, I sort of I, I was I was raised in a creative family mm-hmm. uh, where where that sort of thinking was was valued and um, encouraged. And go, oh, yeah, absolutely encouraged, rewarded hmm. even. I mean, rewarded with with laughter and praise and and like, oh, look what he just said, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and my my father's a songwriter, and my mother's a, a, a writer and a producer, and my my uncle is a is a brilliant humorist and and uh, ad guy and 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 writer, a musician. Um, uh, uh, every- sculptor. Uh, sculptor. He, he yeah. also does woodworking yeah. on the side. Fantastic dancer. Um, <laughs> First man to ever dance his way into my heart, uh, and um, and so so that was the currency uh, growing up, and and I was also then exposed to uh, that stuff just as much as I was watching cartoons. I was raised watching the Animal Crackers and Marx Brothers movies and mm-hmm. Monty Python and early Woody Allen, and um, uh, I mean back then it was also. I watched Cheech and Chong movies and, and airplane and, and, uh, um, don't call me Shirley. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, airplane is just, but, but I, I usually look at it as, as pre 1980 comedy is the stuff that really locked into my brain and, and really what kind of my wheelhouse is in terms of the way I think sure. sort of, um, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying this about myself. I'm saying this about those guys, Monty Python and, you know, Groucho Marx, Woody Allen, uh, very, very in, intelligent, educated people doing really stupid, silly things. <laughs> that's, that's the comedy that I grew up loving, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and something I, to me, it sort of shifted in the eighties. I mean, there's absolutely brilliant comedy in the eighties and post eighties. And now Absolutely. Um, it's just didn't speak to me as personally, I think. Yeah. Uh, past guest of the show, uh, Spencer Albee would say it's what you imprinted on. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, did it make you snooty as a kid? Um, I, I, I don't know. You'd have to ask my, um, poor long suffering friends. Can I get um, their number? <laughs> uh, I'm sure they'll 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 email you because they all listen. They all listen. <laughs> They're big um, listeners. Big, big listeners, first time callers. Um, uh, I I don't I don't think so. I mean, you know, I, I don't think any kid grows up feeling like I am so in the in crowd and I, I, everyone's like me. I I belong. Everyone feels uh, like a little bit of an outcast, a little bit of a misfit. I, I, I think, you know? Yeah. I mean, I associate the, the sort of like, I always think of like, well, I say a lot of people in their twenties, I'm mostly thinking of me in my twenties, but I, I think a lot of people in their twenties kind of get that, like in lieu of a personality, I'm going to dislike things and that's going to be a semblance <laughs> of a personality. So like, you know, I, especially in high school, I just had this whole thing where I was like, if music isn't jazz, it's not good. And I don't know what that was about. I regret it to this day, <laughs> but you know, I, I, that's I, interesting for high, for high school though. I mean, usually, you know, kids don't find their way to jazz in this era, sure. you know, until much later. Yeah. I was a snooty little dipshit, um, right. <laughs> a product of moving around a lot. You, you know, you try and cobble together a personality out of like likes and dislikes and things like that, you know? Sure. Sure. But that's a line in the sand right there. Just jazz, <laughs> you know, like 
It's jazz or nothing. That's my personality. I choose jazz. Oh, you don't know who Elvin Jones is? This is going to alienate everybody. <laughs> um, I, I, so, no, I wouldn't say that I was that sort of mentally well put together that I, I was... Um, I saw people who didn't enjoy what I enjoyed as other, different, or lesser than. Sure. Um, and and I mean, even then, you know, I, I in my school, I was I was actually known as the artist. I I drew, you know. Um, oh, nice. And and it's nothing I, I you know, it's just something I could do. Um, um, it was you know, I, I sorry, I draw, I play music, I write, I you know, I just it just creative woodworking, sculpting. And, I think I think. Every creative person probably, you know, like, you know, if they're interested, probably mm. could be good uh, at multiple, you know, art forms and, 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 you know, master lots of mediums if, if they put the same time into it that they put into whatever it is they're, they're passionate. Yeah. The know? Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours kind of. I, yeah, I, 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 I think I think so. I think I think you're sort of creative in general, and then you have whatever your personal inclinations are. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, so 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 uh, you know, I was raised in a household with lots of different stuff going on. So I was interested in lots of different sort of stuff. And you got to pick and choose what you wanted to do each week. Oh, I'm going to play guitar now. Oh, I'm going to draw. Oh, I'm going to. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I settled on music being my favorite. It still is. I mean, my 20s, I fronted bands virtually the entire time. Hmm. Um, and uh, we've uh, talked about your relationship to Smash Mouth on other podcasts. <laughs> yes. I, uh, very <laughs> close. Um, Greg, Greg, Greg Camp's a good guy. Um, and uh, uh, let the record show. Greg Camp, the actual songwriter. <laughs> yes. uh, uh, and uh, so, so yeah, m music was music still is is the thing I love the most. But but you know, all of it, all of it interacts with with each other. I mean, what I found is that comedy writing is basically songwriting. It's it's rhythm, lyrics, and melody. Yeah. You know, um, timing and. Yeah, it's all the same, you know, like all, all of these things feed off and into each other and and the lines get blurrier and blurrier the more you sort of pursue them. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I just recently had a complete career change in my life and now found myself doing trade work for the first time. Like I never even took a shop class in high school and now I'm doing huh? carpentry and I'm like, oh, this is the exact same as recording a song or, you know, doing any of this stuff. You just need this problem solving skill. You just need these techniques to enter into problem solving with it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's all it really is, is creative problem solving. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, it's once you have that sort of thing on your radar, you know, everything just becomes a creative problem to solve. And, and, and you you sort of gain this this odd objectivity about everything in life. Mm. Like you were mentioning Seinfeld earlier, that sort of like you know things we take for granted that we don't notice. You know that sort of what is why do we you know that <laughs> that stuff. Um, I think that what's the deal into, with what's the deal? <laughs> in Meta it's, Seinfeld, the worst gag. I love it. <laughs> uh, it's. You know, your brain sort of gets trained to think that way, and mm. and you apply it to, to hopefully, you know, every everything you're doing becomes a, a creative problem. And you know, for for comedy guys like you, you know, like like something you can make fun of. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Um, Growing up in a creative household like that, 
do you feel that that honed that creative problem instinct analyzing being able to see the like see structures and things like that do you think that that informed you watching stuff from an early age or do you uh, think you were just watching stuff and you were like his face is a butt that's funny <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know it's a sort of a chicken and the egg thing um yeah. I, I'm not sure. I, I I think, you know, like you watch stuff, you know, I have since I've been doing working on you know, animation or, or, you know, family uh, friendly stuff. Family um, entertainment, as Sam Kinison been, would say. Yeah, have been focused on on trying to create stuff that not only the younger people can enjoy, but the adults and, you know, like. Oh, put a pin all, in that. We'll come back to that, that later. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, because I remember watching what I watched with, with my parents and adults and, Mm. and, and them laughing at things and, and under, you know, me, maybe not understanding fully what the jokes were, but contextually understanding structurally why it's funny. Sure. Um, and yeah. And, you know, I I showed my son, um, the Marx brothers at two, I think was the first time I showed him a Marx brothers thing. (laughs) And he he enjoyed Harpo like flat out because right. Harpo is you know just being a silly silently, but he was laughing at Groucho Marx in the correct places based just simply on cadence and tone. He understood the man was being funny. Well, here's the thing: you know? here's where the joke is going to build up, and it's going to go up, and then guess yeah, what? Right. All of a sudden, there's going to be a you know, <laughs> and a little eye waggle, punctuation, yeah. and boom. You know, um, so so you know. I, I believe that children understand a lot more and glean the humor a lot more than they're really given credit for. Um, and it's like learning a language where, where you understand it's spoken to you before you can speak it fluently. Mm. Um, so, so the child might understand uh, a gag, as we say in the, in the, um, <laughs> I, 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 I resisted for so long the, the, the word gag, but then eventually it's sort of, became uh, uh, a go-to yeah yeah it's just, i like yeah. bits i think what, bit, yeah. bits is yeah, what but, me and my friends use bits bits to me implies uh a, a running gag oh okay all uh, right like like if it's a bit it's something that you you keep you know you call back and you bring up that's a bit yeah. to me i mean i haven't really you know i haven't sat down to <laughs> yeah you haven't been in a comedy like, workshop yeah, in a long time yeah, yeah it's, not, it's not on a, a you know stone tablets uh, or one of those uh uh kindle books for like 4.99 <laughs> yeah. john's uh, john's uh compendium of comedic <laughs> yeah yeah funny funny scripts dummies yeah <laughs> <laughs> now what we call this is a bit. A bit <laughs> is a series of running gags. Chapter one, you know, <laughs> see page three. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, but um, they, so that's when they, you first saw Scooby Doo. Yeah, make a long story short. Um, that's when Scooby Doo, and um, and then didn't really think too much about it yeah. until uh, you know my dear friend Zach Moncrief got uh, a job, you know, running uh, a, the new Scooby Doo series, and called me. Um, and then you know I certainly wasn't any sort of obsessive Scooby Doo fan, um, mm. and that's when it sort of reentered my life as a thing. Yeah, right. That's yeah. Just it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, 
All right, so let's dive in. Today we are going to be talking about the episode Where There's a Will, There's a Wraith from mm-hmm. Be Cool Scooby-Doo. Uh, the added wrinkle uh, to this, uh, typically the guests that I have on have little to no knowledge and or interest about Scooby-Doo, uh, but you actually have an investment in the fact that, uh, uh, spoiler alert, you wrote it, co-wrote it, wrote it, whatever. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, sure. Um, there are there are episodes of Be Cool Scooby Doo that, that I'm not that fond of. Um, True, that I, I have the same credits for. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, quick story. Uh, I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you though. Uh, I, I absolutely forgot to rewatch it recently. But I but I basically remember it. If it becomes a big problem, you could just be like, "So, John, pause. <laughs> Go watch it real fast, and you know, come back." What did you think about this scene? I got notes. Don't worry about it. Um, I did. I wrote a, a web series one time years ago, and I wrote a really stupid joke in it where it was these two brothers who are like uh, uh, gross uh, businessmen. One of them's a pervert, right? And they're trying to convince this simpleton to do something, right? And so I wrote a really... I, 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 I was not married to this, but I thought it was kind of funny. The gross perverted brother says like, uh, well, the other brother says like, uh, do you ever, do you ever just like want more out of life? And the guy's like, like what? And the gross perverted brother says, just like taking life by the horns and just fucking it in the face, <laughs> which right. it's a, du- it's dumb, but like, whatever. It was a throwaway. And they changed it on the uh-huh. spot. The actor, instead of saying, taking life by the horns, said uh-huh. taking a woman by the back of the head and i was like no no <laughs> i was like do you not understand the difference between those two things i was like take my name off of that <laughs> i was like i'm not taking credit for that at all yeah I, I i relate not to that extreme um i i you know i haven't i haven't had anything changed on me that the- you know that's almost criminal um <laughs> right but but I certainly know the feeling of like oh that's not what I meant you know it's <laughs> it's you know TV you know animation in particular is such a um, it's such a collaborative process it's sure. it's a baton relay race artists I mean, storyboard artists yeah, writers yeah. from 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 concept to on air you're handing that baton off over and over again and everyone along the line has to understand what you meant by blah, blah, blah in the script. Mm. Um, the way they acted, the way they, the, the, act, the actors, you know, the way the artists act, the characters, you know, the facial expressions, the, the voice reads, uh, all, all of it, um, um, you know, adds up or doesn't add up to whatever you intended. And, and so it's, it's, it's really hard to hit the target. Um, uh, so, What's amazing is the amount of time, you know, that anything's good at all, really. Yeah, statistically, you know? it should never work. The fact that it, it does is a miracle. Absolute, yes. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, so this episode opens up with uh, a gentleman heading to Lutz Manor. Yes. There are so many names in this that are like... First of all, just seem referential, but also like uh, I think Cosgood might have been one of my favorites. I don't even know if that was a gag, but I just thought a lawyer named Cosgood was funny. That might have been. I mean, Dwayne Capizzi wrote the original um, uh, uh, script on this. Um, 
and he was really into doing this, uh, you know, um, uh, homage, more homage episodes, uh, mm-hmm. where, 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 you know, drawing liked, from the original yeah, Scooby Doo, where are you? Yeah. So that's really what the series was draw. It, it's, it's as if everything after Scooby Doo, where are you didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And we just went back to that show and said, okay, uh, how would we do that now? Yeah. You know, same idea. And, 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 it seemed like he was he was really into the idea of okay the voice and tone of this show how would they actually go back and do the same episode now yeah which is um, a fascinating exercise yeah yeah it was really it was really interesting to me and and um this this episode is is the most you know that of of any of the episodes um he did i think madcap the clown episode as well oh um, yeah with the cl- the crazy clown in the fun house yeah, yeah. Um, and so he was—he was really into the darker, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, real like traditional spooky Scooby Doo sort of sort of stuff. Mm. Um, Did he do the one on the mountain with the uh, the the? It was a, it was basically an update of that's Snow Ghost. I can't remember the. It wasn't Be Cool Scooby Doo. It was uh, <clears throat> or not uh, Be Cold Scooby Doo. Was it Be Cold Scooby Doo? Uh, uh, Be Cold Scooby Doo with the snowman. Ski. The snowman. Yeah, the with the snow, yeah, the snowman monster. That was a an update of uh uh that snow ghost uh with the with the yeti thing. Yeah, yeah. Or, red glowing eyes or whatever. Yeah, I just remember that uh, he was skiing on invisible skis in the original one. Oh, uh, um, yeah. I, you know what 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 we found pretty pretty quickly going into it uh, was that. Any attempt to try to come up with anything original was pretty useless. You know, like everything had been done in Scooby Doo. Trying to come sure. up with a new monster, a new location, a new, you know, and and so we started to just lean into the fact that our show is so completely different than any other iteration of Scooby Doo. We it's can really, do this, and it'll be different. Yeah, because okay. our take on it, our you know, um, and in fact, some grounding is probably a good thing. Mm. You know, so yeah. so so having some familiar elements, uh, you know, I thought I think worked to our advantage in that way because we could we could bounce off of more traditional you know sort of stuff. But but um, but Dwayne, I, I think was actually uh, you know all the characters. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he named everyone in that episode, uh, <laughs> and, and and I believe that those names like Cosgood were were in the original. Uh, Oh, uh, Cosgood and Creepswell. Yeah. Those were the lawyers. Yeah. Right. Who were the so, bad guys in the original one? Yes. So, uh, also so, hilarious that you chose not to make uh, the uh, willing uh, colonel a Confederate colonel <laughs> as it was in the original one. <laughs> yeah. That seems probably wise. But also, it's such a—I mean, it's such a dumb throwaway in the original one because then Scooby has to be ninety. I mean, like nineteen sixty. The Civil War ended in sixty-five, right? Yeah, eighteen sixty-five. <laughs> Why is this Confederate Colonel with stars and bars, uh, 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 you know, uh, stockpiles in his basement, just dying now? And did Scooby fight for the Confederacy? We're not here to discuss this. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, these are all very valid uh, points. Uh, you know, uh, look, we, we we went back and watched almost all of of the original. You know, Scooby Doo, where are you? And 
hadn't I hadn't seen it in years, and you probably since I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, and was and that we were, a it was that a we thing? Did you like all get together and watch it? Zach and I did it. Oh, I mean, okay. it was yeah, yeah. it was it started out with just me and Zach. Um, and just hanging and, out, having a beer, watching Scooby Doo with your bro. Florida, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Richard Lee, uh, the uh, the original uh, art director on the show, um, had been sort of like Robinson Crusoe, like a couple months by himself at Warner Brothers, with the uh, the objective of, right, we're going to make a funny new version of Scooby Doo. Yeah. Mr. Incorporated was was pretty serious and scary. Mm. You know, they said you know seventy five percent scary, twenty five percent funny. We want to flip those around. <laughs> uh, for this next iteration, and and so a, a, an artist by himself, really all he did was just keep pushing and pushing this art style, sillier and more cartoony. Yeah, yeah. There's not much else he could do in terms of like make it funnier. Uh, okay. Durr. He went out on the internet and he was like, "What do you guys think?" And they were like, "We hate it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we learned we learned that a little bit late. But, um, huh? What? Yeah. <laughs> You think? No. Did the internet have an opinion? <laughs> Surprisingly, yeah. Putting out, putting out, um, un even uncompleted uh, uh, R and D artwork <laughs> design a year before the show aired was not our friend. <laughs> it did not help us at all. Uh, um, it's funny because we're going through that. We're kind of going through that now. In the uh, uh, as topical as this podcast ever gets uh mm. the cast list was just uh fleshed out for the new scooby-doo movie coming yep. to theaters and uh obviously i have i have apparently a one-dimensional personality to a lot of my friends because they're texting me being like hey dude did you see this scooby-doo stuff and i'm like you know what i also enjoy cooking uh <laughs> you have a scooby-doo podcast i know come on how much have we talked about scooby-doo uh <laughs> but right right where you where you never discuss scooby-doo yeah, right. that's the know? joke uh but the, the idea that like you know i'm i'm seeing this cast announcement and i'm in my head in addition to reacting to it, I'm reacting to the people who are reacting to it in my impression of the reaction that I'm guessing is going to happen. Because I, I hear all the voices of the people being like, that, you know, hashtag not my Velma or whatever. And I'm like, well, fuck you, dipshit. You know, like, who gives a shit what your opinion is? And so, like, I'm trying to... I, I have all these things happening where I'm just like, well, let's see what happens. And I'm also being like, well, that sucks. Like, why is that person here? You know, like, why is Frank Welker not, you know, whatever. But right. also, it's not precious. It's not. <laughs> I love Scooby-Doo and it's not precious. No, no, it, it, it's it's not. I mean, I I think everyone absolutely is entitled to an opinion on it. And 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 look, some stuff is precious. I mean, you know, I'm 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 a big music head, mm. so so I I will I will take some music stuff seriously. Like I'll care. If people are like, oh, REM should have quit when Bill Berry, uh, you know, <laughs> left the band. You know, right. and I'm like, no, man, screw you. Like you know, like like dad's amazing music they made after that you know like like maybe universally the albums weren't as strong but mm. but you know i wouldn't give up having some of those songs you know um like and also their artists let them do what they you know what do you care right. you don't have to buy it or listen to it right uh, but, it's but, a you know, choice 
yes, I'm, but but I'm indignant about it when people say, you know, like like yeah, yeah. There, there are opinions um, that that you know, if you're passionate about something, you know, and 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 believe me, I've learned there are people who are very passionate about Scooby Doo, which is uh, weird, but that's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you gotta ha- if you're gonna have a thing, that's a good one to have. It's yeah, better I mean, than murder. God bless them. Yep. <laughs> it's it's you know it's great. I I you know. There are there are because there are also people who are very passionate about Scooby Doo who love Be Cool Scooby Doo. Sure. Yeah. So so um, you know those are those are it's one it's wonderful to hear um, because what we found is most people who actually gave the show a chance liked it. Yeah. You know right. um, all the reservations. You know there's a lot of like yeah I I wanted to hate it because of the way it looked but it's funny it's good uh, you know like. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Mark a, another a, one, buddy. Yes, a, a grumbled, you know, begrudging <laughs> acceptance of it is is absolute victory. Uh, that that's the relationship I have with my father. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we enter in with the first big gag of the the episode, which is uh, rule of three. This guy goes in, lights the fire. There's the creepy thing behind him under a sheet. <laughs> this is this, this gag to me. It's it's the chair, the harp, and then the ghost. But the fact that this this speaks to me of original Scooby Doo. The fact that the ghost has the wherewithal to be like, oh, this is gonna be good. I'm gonna put <laughs> this sheet over me. He's pulling these sheets off. So when he pulls the sheet off of me, thinking that I'm a grandfather clock, I don't know. He's really gonna piss his pants. Yeah. By the time he gets to me, <laughs> his 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 anxiety will be eased slightly yeah. by the revelation of the previous two. So yes, I'll really get. Because I mean, that's like that's old school Scooby Doo in a nutshell. The fact that like people, for some odd reason, this universe that old school Scooby Doo exists in is just people doing bits constantly. Like, you know, I mean, they're following behind doing footsteps, but then stopping when everybody stops so that they don't hear the footsteps anymore. Like, why? Your goal is to get money. You're a real estate scam artist, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the the monsters, you know, slash bad guy dressed as a monster, be, be being complicit in the bits and, and going along, you know, like following the rules of Scooby-Doo. Yeah. And, it's hysterical. It really, it's a fun thing to play with. They studied with Del Close. They can only <laughs> yeah. yes and. <laughs> totally. It's, 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 it's bizarre, but it was one of the great, I mean, what I was saying is Zach and I went back and watched the original and we were astounded how horrible it actually was in terms of, yeah. I mean, the nostalgia, all of it's great and wonderful and heartwarming to watch it. And, and it's a, it's a fun, good show, but technically it really isn't. You know, it's like sort of like, well, how did he make the spaceship? Oh, he just shot a projector at the sky. Yeah. Like on what? Like how does that possibly like, you know, we were we were working really hard. I mean, my heart went out to every writer on a Scooby-Doo series ever trying to figure out these mysteries and clues and, and suspects. There's so much disservice in one of these. It's mm. crazy. And and even more serious, you know, like Sherlock or, or any any serious mystery thing. Where, where the got, a- there's actually a yeah. mystery. And it's got to really work. Yeah. You know, it's it, it is it breaks your brain. It is tough to do. Um, well, and 
you you are also a consumer of media and there is so much media out there especially shit like this that you i mean we all do it we all you know we watch uh i don't know inception and we're watching inception and we're like well how come if he can look this way this time he's not looking the other way the other like it doesn't make sense like we all do that shit and you have to have that voice in the back of your head while you're writing a mystery you're like some asshole is gonna wonder why the projection just goes into the sky so that's almost like the beauty of old school scooby-doo is they're like who gives a shit (laughs) yeah it doesn't matter and and normally, I would say, I mean, at least for me and in my experience, 90% of the time, you know when you're bullshitting it. You know when you're fudging it a little bit. Oh, interesting. You know? um, it's, it's, it's rare that someone's like, well, if then you're like, like, oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> you <know>? um, <laughs> then you're up Shit's Creek without a paddle. Like, you're uh, like, uh, no, I know that. We, yeah. got to, we had to get to act two, baby. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I think usually in any two hour movie, there's probably one or two purposeful fudges of something that 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 can't escape ironclad logic and rationality um in a because, cartoon no well, i'm just saying in, in in even in a very serious two-hour movie oh sure yeah um, yeah um because life doesn't happen in two hours yeah you know and life doesn't happen you know like that's not the way stories actually unfold yeah. you know the the brain you know uh, there's been you know all these you know the the, the um joseph campbell and all these guys um the brain likes sort of a narrative structure, you know. It, it, sure. It, 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 oh, it, going back to C.G. Young. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 it's it's programmed in us. Mm-hmm. Um, and they figured out these structures to a certain extent, and um, as best expressed by Save the Cat. Um, <laughs> You're gonna go save the cat. You're not gonna go Vogler. You're not gonna go Vogler. <laughs> Story structure. Okay. All right. Uh, fine. No, I, I, yeah, save the cat is fine. I'm is not, save I'm the cat right. McKee? Is that who that is? No, no, no. That's not no. Robert McKee. Um, I, I forget who save the yeah. cat is. But the whole thing with like like structure and story and like the Joseph Campbell aspect is like you know that's like death of the hero and you know the the, the descent and all that kind of stuff that is different from like I feel like the logic like uh, uh, you know people trying to play Columbo being like I'm oh, I'm sorry just one more question now if he was looking at that thing the whole time how was he able to also do you know like how was he able to make fly how are they able to fly and go around the whole house if the rigging system was just in the basement. You know, whatever that kind of shit. That's just like that's internet commentator like bullshit. Like people just trying to prove that they're smarter. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, sure. There's there's you know, serious writers who are trying to tell a story and bump into certain logic issues because of this. Life doesn't actually happen and unfold the way it does in in entertainment issue. Mm. There's also just you know bad lazy writing people not giving a shit about what they're writing um sure. and then there's and then there's the other side of it which are people who are just out to to you know find fault in something you know yeah um and, you know and uh, i don't think there's any real maliciousness behind most of it um you know continuity a errors a lot of or, daddy issues well just <laughs> you know like hey did you notice blah 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 you know um and the, you know, we and the note behind the note is, love me, mom! Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Why can't you love me? <laughs> uh, 
Uh, oh, Shaggy can't remember saving him. <laughs> Scooby saving him. That I mean, that gag is that's just a throwaway. That's just fun. <laughs> yes. Just the whole like uh, you know, just Scooby being like, boing. <laughs> oh, oh, oh no. Uh, uh, see ya. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I mean, it's 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 probably a little off model. Uh, it, it was you know, yeah. both Shaggy and Scooby when their friends are really life and death in danger always step up. Yeah. You know. Um. So so you know that's purposely fudging something just for the gag, but yeah. Um. But yeah, it's it's a fun setup. I, I really liked, you know, this was a very very character based show, right. and so finding conflict between the characters was was important. Um, Which and, is something that's never existed before. I mean, Mystery Incorporated yeah, happened, Mystery but in a very different way. Yeah, in a very very different way. Um, you know, I I I think you know people people argue that that Mystery Incorporated dimensionalized those characters. I, I found them still a little bit one dimensional in terms of sort of what they're about, how you would describe their personalities um, in terms of a character's point of view. Like I'm not sure how you describe Daphne and Mr. Incorporated, <laughs> you know, her personality, you could say things about her. She was rich. She had a big crush on Fred, you know, uh, but I'm not really sure how you would say what her actual personality is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, could you, I mean, you probably watched it more than I have. Uh, undoubtedly, uh, I, I'm in a state of arrested development. Um, (laughs) well, I mean, the thing is like the question for me is if you were to put her in a, in any situation from watching that show, can you guess how she would react in that situation? That's exactly the question. That's exactly how you, how you invent a a, a character, you know, is, is. You know, you you try to establish them that that it's so, like stories begin to suggest themselves. Like, oh, would it be so great if we put Daphne in this situation or that situation because she is this way? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what so if she has a pet hawk? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I like, like the uh, do you, I don't know the witch episode, the the witch trial episode, um, at in in uh, uh, Salem, um, in season two. It was it was very I mean, Daphne didn't have one of her little little bits in that one. She her bit was that she was absolutely indignant that women in the past were persecuted yes. for being different and strong and, and and unusual like she is. Sure. You know, um, and she was she was very aggressive about it. You know, I mean, and, I would say even in this episode, the slumber party bit is still I mean, it's informed from a place of like. Like she tries to use it to bring them all together. Like, like yeah. it, it's motivated by this, like kind of like, look, uh, uh, this, this is who I am. This is what I want to get done. I'm doing this thing right now, but this takes priority and it's filtered through this, these perceptions. And, and, and blah, blah, blah. this is, this is the way we can make the best of this situation. Let's have fun with it. You know, <laughs> let's all be adults and let's have a pillow. Fight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, but it's built into her that she she grew up in a very conservative um, uh, household with a with a strict mother who didn't let her enjoy a lot of um, you know the the silly childhood stuff that mm. other kids got to enjoy. So so now that she's sort of free and out on her own with her friends, she's going back and revisiting some of this stuff. Whimsy, um, whimsy, yeah. Uh, and and she just doesn't care what anyone thinks. You know, she's just 
she's very confident in herself um and just you know is looking to to see what you know explore and and um there's there was a lot of that a lot there was a lot more about her mother and we were going to bring her mother into it as a I, I don't know if you ever saw Frasier uh, <laughs> Niles Crane's wife Maris you never see her but you hear these very bizarre things about her that accumulate over the series yeah he, so and, like, and he's, it's always said with that lie. that sighing tone of Maris and I <laughs> yeah. And and that's kind of what we want to do with Daphne's mother is just constantly sort of talk about her until you just have this the most bizarre picture of her, um, and then and then bring her into an episode somehow. Um, Internet market. This is the first time that Scooby Doo and Frasier have ever been said in the same sentence. You know, it's possible that I brought up Frasier before with this. Because Frasier, to me, is one of the best examples of creating a cast of characters. Uh, okay, in terms of sure. Modeling, because you've got this character of Frasier, who is is not the most sort of uh, you know from his from the Friends version, you know, uh, where Cheers. he moved. In, Cheers version. I'm sorry. He moved into <laughs> his uh, uh, own. He moved series. to Seattle. He got st- yeah. he got stood he, up on the altar. Was- he wasn't the most sort of masculine, uh, 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 every man sort of character. Mm. Um, he wasn't Sam. He was not Sam. Yeah. yeah. So, so what they did, I thought was brilliant by making his brother like, like three times, four times as much that than he is. So next to him, he it pushes him to the center more, yeah, and makes him appear. You know, you could play him in a much more everyman, you know, uh, um, you know, masculine, tough guy sort of way. With and the, then it, his dad being on, on the, the complete side, opposite exactly. side, pushing mm. him back the other way. Yeah. And it was it was balanced really well for for getting what you needed to get out of those characters to me. Yeah. Um. And and it's it, you know so I, so I always look at look at that particular show is a really great example of how to how to think about and build characters and and deal with deal with character traits like oh this character is so much this way how do we balance how do we you know mm. and and also the characters become when he's talking to Niles he's talking to in a sense that aspect of himself right you know yeah. so so the characters are sort of fractals of the main characters different points of view and and uh right and seattle is the fifth character we get it <laughs> <laughs> if you had to point out a song that you've written in your tv career which would you say is your toss salad and scrambled eggs <laughs> <laughs> this is a dead serious uh, question i don't know why you're laughing <laughs> um I, I I don't know. How would I define that, really? Oh, it's up to you, baby. I just How, threw it out. Oh, <laughs> um, That's the beauty of asking these questions is I don't have to know what I mean. <laughs> right. Um, it, 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 it might be um, it might be uh, one of the Phineas songs. One yeah. of the songs I wrote for, Phineas, for uh, Little Brothers might be the song. Oh, OK. Great. Perfect. Great answer. Uh, you passed and, and the I, test. I also don't have to justify why. No, nope. yeah. <laughs> there are no stakes here Shows, whatsoever. Yeah, I can. I can. Yeah, not admit I have no idea what the question means. <laughs> All right, never admit that. Ah, I won't. That's the rule number one. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, the cousin Kenneth gag. Hmm. 
The cat person? Yeah, he's a cat person. That's yeah. a... The, here's the thing. Truth, but we love it. It's the economy of gags in this where, like... It's the thing with, like, you know, they all jump up on Velma. He's a cat person cut to. Like, those can very easily be, all respect, a family guy gag where it's like, you know, oh, it's like the blah, blah, blah with the blah, blah, blah. Cut to the blah, blah, blah. Never comes back again. There, There's, like, a concerted effort to be like, shit, we made this gag. All right, this gag has to be a thing now because we're not going to just have this be a thing. It's too it's, random. It's a bit now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. I mean, I respect that. And the fact that he's dressed like like he wants to be in Cats, but like, you know, like he saw Cats as a kid, but like it's so ingrained in him that like that's going to be his thing now. Yeah, yeah. I, Living I, I, off his uncle. Like, I just like, I like that it like it makes you care. You're invested in this like completely weird ass dude. Right, but you just sort of accept it. I mean, yeah. I think that's that's sort of nice about the series is we can be that stupid and it's just sort of like, oh, I get that, sure. Yeah, smart that people person. making really dumb things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and well, I, I don't know about the Velma jumping on thing. I mean, that was just something that since I was a kid, I was obsessed with. Um, I remember, I remember one, one of the uh, maybe Tiki something episode, they, they all jump on Velma. And she <laughs> runs with them all. And and I was, you know, just as a child, it was like, what? What what is it with jumping on Vel? You know, um What's the deal? Yeah, what's the deal with jumping um, <laughs> I, it, it really like like I was very objective about it. I'm like, why you know, they don't ask, they don't you know, they just do it and she and then and then you cut to the next scene and they're lost in the woods and Velma actually apologizes <laughs> to them. <laughs> For getting lost. Yeah, sorry like, I was like, carrying you all away from danger. Yes, yes, I'm sorry I got and they're like, well, that's okay. But like like they don't say like, oh my god, Velma, no, we're um thank you so much for saving us and <laughs> and carrying the that burden of your friend, you know. Um uh, they just like you're like, well, you know, just don't let it happen again, Velma. <laughs> <laughs> um so that was something that I was really interested in getting into the series and playing with um, the whole like how, why how did that happen and and what would what Velma's actual reaction be like you know yeah um, we probably would have nobody's going to talk about that nobody yeah just jump <laughs> everyone jump on Velma you know? <laughs> and Fred like climb what's that now Velma <laughs> <laughs> what now and he like hooks his legs <laughs> <Yeah>. around her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, uh, me and a buddy of mine, we wrote a, uh, a Scooby-Doo musical when we were in college. <laughs> of course and, you did. Yeah, right. Because uh, what else are you going to do in college? And yeah. uh, jazz, it, was, jazz, it was post high school jazz. Yeah, we right. Th this was yeah. this is when I was getting over my pretentious period and going <laughs> real to the other side. And uh, he, uh, his big obsession was this thing that he remembered, had no idea what it was. It was just an image from Scooby-Doo where Shaggy jumped on Scooby and like spun his tail, turning it into a motor, and they just motorboated across the water. This was There was no discussion. It was practiced. He just right. knew this was going to work. And it was that right. kind of logic that I was just like, yeah, this is why this show is fun. It's this, it's dumb as hell, and it feels like a relationship that you don't, you, you're never going to figure out, but it makes sense. It has its own internal logic. 
Yes, they understand in this situation it's evasive maneuver number 48. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, right. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Um uh uh <laughs> light him up classic mm. a classic of the series <laughs> yeah. uh, that's always great um oh uh the appearing in the window trope there are a lot of tropes in this uh-huh. uh the, the you know the lightning flashing and the bad guys in the window and then it disappears how much of that do you like i don't know i I, I feel like there's a lot of those puzzle pieces, especially in comedy. Like, you know, in reality, there are three jokes and we're just all writing variations on those three sure, jokes yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. how much fun is it to be able to just, like, get to straight up be like, it's time for this gag? Uh, it's 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 the best. I mean, to me, it's great. <laughs> I, I, I love the old gags. I love vaudevillian humor. I mean... Um, who's on first yeah I mean it's just beautiful stuff I, you know I, I've been accused certainly uh, behind the scenes of being a very wordy writer you know very dialogue heavy sure. um, uh, I mean, this I've is the told, most Scooby-Doo has ever talked yeah and and I mean I've been told flat out dialogue is death you know that kind of stuff <laughs> um, and I just, I just disagree um, sure you know uh, there's so much of my favorite comedy is is crisp fast dialogue you know i just love i love the rhythms of it the, the musicality of it songwriting mm. um and you know uh you know the actors you know it was a big deal in this show was was getting everybody accustomed to how fast i actually needed them and wanted them to be reading this stuff i i would scratch all the scripts myself mm. i would i would go um with uh, kyle the editor um and uh, who wrote also a couple of my favorite episodes in the show. Um, and, uh, shout out Kyle, shout out Kyle, uh, <laughs> Al Stafford, brilliant writer and editor. Um, uh, and, and sit there and read them myself. And, mm. and, um, I, uh, I am not a voice acting guy. I, I, I have, I have a small mouth cavity. It just, just so the world knows. My dentist told me this. It's what I lead with on first dates. Um, I'm also going to say humble brag for fun. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, small uh, mouth I cavity. I have a small mouth cavity. I have, have trouble getting my mouth around words. You know, so so I would not say that I'm a skilled uh, voice performer. Sure. So, but I felt if I could do it, anyone, you know, anyone could mm. do it. So so I would read these things very quickly, and they'd listen to them like, oh, wow, you know, we're not, you know, but but very 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 fast everyone got up to speed as it were and and you know and you could hear them you know zipping along in some of this dialogue um are you from the northeast uh i was born in new york but uh we moved out to california when i was three so uh, okay. i was raised i was raised by by very new yorky people um very east coast people uh but i would not consider myself to be terribly influenced Something that I find when I go to other parts of the country is that most people find Northeasterners talk at a much faster clip than the rest of the the, the country. I uh-huh. I lived in Texas very briefly, and I most people would be like, "Uh, what?" And I'd be like, right. "I f- I feel like there's something about the fact that you li- if you live in in the Northeast, it's cold, and you have to get stuff out quickly, and you have to be like, <laughs> look, this is what I have yeah. to say. Here it is.'" I feel like that informs, but, uh, I did have a, um, 
a a voiceover coach for a brief period in time. And everything she always said to me was, can you slow it down? And I'd be like, why? (laughs) I'd be like, I can understand what I'm saying. (laughs) I think most people, most people talk relatively quickly uh, in the normal conversation. And also I love in, in, in writing dialogue, I love showing the character thinking while they're speaking. You know, mm. I, I hate dialogue that sounds as if Fred the does that in particular in this show. Yeah. And people, the way they actually talk is they will interrupt themselves. They'll switch gears. They'll go off on tangents. So, you know, and I actually like putting that in the dialogue, uh, having a character say, you know, hey, why are we going? Look, guys, let's just let's just stay here. You know, <laughs> like, like literally the way people talk and, and mutter and stumble. And I, I love that stuff in dialogue. Yeah. Um, it, it there's a because there, you don't see it a lot, particularly in in animated shows. People speaking the way naturalistically, the way they actually speak. Yeah. And 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 it's it's it, I mean it should be invisible when it's done correctly. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> Linda. Is, exactly. Linda. Yeah. <laughs> Listen um, to me, Linda. <laughs> uh, so. Um, <laughs> Just like that. Perfect, you know. Yeah. But also, the other thing that, that to me, screams of the pacing that happens at this show is quickness. The, the quickness of the dialogue also allows for the accentuation of what happens frequently and what happened in this episode frequently. Uh, you know, they sort of like, uh, uh, quick, jump onto Velma, and then painfully slow her coming up on the stairs with her face just racked with like you know the glasses askew and nobody's face changing like those Uh quick moments allow for those longer moments to feel longer yes yes and and the show has definitely been accused of letting those longer moments go on too long Mm. uh and uh and yeah some of them sure why not they do um but i i you know i like that also um But but that's all you know. It's to me also fairly kind of a, a realistic what would happen thing. You know, if everyone jumped on Velma, I mean, obviously she wouldn't physically be able to carry everybody, but she would certainly move slowly. Yeah, of course. Let's take you know? let's take a moment to you know. Make, yeah, yeah. Let's like, show how, let's... actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Um, uh, uh, speaking of uh, wordy, uh, Scooby Doo <laughs> being the most wordy ever. This. Uh, <laughs> Cosgood Cosgood goes through the whole thing and then just Scooby's takeaway so not blueberry (laughs) that's just a funny like his takeaway so no pie right just to be clear yeah that feels that feels fun um uh was it supposed to be a shining bathroom bathroom from the shining when they find uh uh, the twin in the bathroom uh, not not my intention um I mean, you know, they are maybe an art artist. Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, I think Jeff Jeff Bendikow directed that episode, um, and he was very, 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 very skilled and detailed director about stuff. Um, mm. Very, you know, he he would he would get sort of obsessed with certain shots, certain moments from other things that he wanted to use, incorporate into things. So I wouldn't be surprised if there are little Easter eggs everywhere in his episodes, mm. uh, um, that, that call, you know, touch on certain things that sort of are, are feeding it subconsciously. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, you know, I, no one ever, no one ever said to me they were doing a shining bathroom. I thought you meant clean at first. I was like, oh, <laughs> I, I don't know if showing a really filthy bathroom would have been appropriate, but sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I want to see that. I just want to yeah. see a really filthy bathroom just to see what happened. Like, how would yeah. people would people notice it? Would people be put off by it? I mean, that's that's interesting. Um, yeah. So this this brings up so shining bathroom, shining twins. They kind of look like the twins from The Shining. Oh, right, right, right. All that kind of stuff. Uh, let, let's let's call back to a previous thing. You said something that I always find interesting that. Uh, people in uh, the biz say, which is cartoons. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, we we obviously we're making a cartoon for kids, but like, uh, you know, we really want the uh, we really want to write for the parents too. Like, you know, kids, if you don't talk down to them, I uh, I read a book. By, by the way, I thought you were doing Kermit the Frog when you first started that. A I was like, bit. okay, where, where is this going? A little bit. Uh, I, I have three voices. Uh, <laughs> but this is so fascinating to me. And I always wonder, because I feel like everybody approaches it differently. I read uh, The Mouse That Roars, which is mm -hmm. Keith Scott's um, uh, history of Rocky and Bullwinkle and Jay Ward Productions in general. Right. And like Jay Ward was saying like, well, you know, we're making a show for kids, but you don't talk down to them and you also make a show that the parents will enjoy. And that was like in the fifties. Right. And I, I hear and see interviews like to this day where people still keep saying that As like it's, it's never been done. <laughs> sure. Sure. But here's why, here's why, because a, it's true that, the, yeah, the, absolutely. the best, most popular shows tend to be the ones that appeal to the broadest age range. I found um, Phineas and Ferb when I was 27. <laughs> there you go. Phineas and Ferb was the first show I wrote on, and it was a shining, sterling example of this. Yeah. We just did not care about six-year-olds, whether or not they would understand something or not. I mean, we... we, we yeah, we you're did. not making licking pussy jokes, but like... Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing inappropriate, but it was... It, John Lasseter had this comment. He said, we're not making entertainment for children. We're just not excluding them. <laughs> I like that. And, yeah, and 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 I, I think that's a, a just a, the best way to think about it. Um, and it's going back to what we were saying before about children understanding a lot more than than people would give them credit for. Mm. But in this industry, despite what most people would say, everyone would be like, oh yeah, we just want to make the best show possible. Oh yes, of course we want the adult. You know, you'll hear all this stuff, but you push these people against the wall. Basically, eventually you're going to get- A breaking just, point. It's just a cartoon. Mm. Kids are stupid. They'll watch anything. It doesn't matter. You will you will eventually, if you, if you, if you honestly believe it and are pushing that, you know, to the limits, mm. you'll eventually hit that wall. Yeah. Um, and, and there are plenty of people who, who don't think that way, but you can suss them out eventually. Sure. You know, like, and, and, and so you, that is a fight that you are fighting almost constantly. Mm. And in, on every show, there's always somebody somewhere that is powerful enough to prevent you from 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 continuing to do that properly. Yeah, trying and, 
and push yeah. and and pushing and being creative. Yes. Yeah. And hmm. yeah, because there's always, well, let's not go over our audience's head here. You know, oh, I don't know if a six year old would really enjoy that. You know, you're going to get that. And corporate shaggy. Is that what you were just doing? Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's going to. Like. So. So I think the as much as anybody could say that anywhere, Mazeltov, say it. let's, Let's have it be said and shouted from the mountaintops. What we're trying to do is appeal to everybody, including yeah. children, including adults, everybody. That's what we're trying to do. That's what is going to work best. That's what's going to make the best show. Mm. You know, unless it's a preschool show. But even those, um, they Sesame can be smart. Street is immensely watchable. Yeah. You know, um, uh, 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 Pocoyo. You know, that's Pocoyo. Yeah. Uh, no. Like but... little baby kid with a blue hat. Great. If you ever, if you ever, you know, you could look it online. Um, uh, it it's a adorable i mean it's it's for like little preschool kids yeah but it is is charming and and funny and and great it's it's absolutely doable uh even for preschool um so so that there's no reason i think not not to aim for that target sure and and but it's still and and all the proof is out there that it works yeah no. Well, I always say what, what, uh, one of my favorite experiences when my children, my my children, when my sister's children were mm. younger, uh, I thankfully don't know yeah. any of my kids. Uh, <laughs> when my sister's <laughs> children <laughs> were younger, uh, there was a point where we were all like in the TV room. The kids were watching Sesame Street. And then probably a good 15 minutes passed where I didn't realize that all of the kids had left and there were just like six adults <laughs> sitting in the room watching Sesame Street just engrossed. I was like, yeah. this is bizarre and great. This is a beautiful thing. Yeah, I mean, Sesame Street is one of the one of the greats mm. and, it's, and it still is, uh, you know. Um, I would argue uh, any Henson uh, thing. Yeah, uh, uh, Great Muppet Caper is still one of my favorite movies. Yeah, the, the Muppets is another just great example of something that was just entertaining to everybody. Uh, also, smart people doing dumb things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what color are their hands now? <laughs> it still gets me. Uh, I'm just gonna shut the door here to the dog barking. Don't hold on. <laughs> Keep Linda away. All right, Linda, listen to me, Linda. Linda. Um, so the song. Man, I can't. It was just the the chase song in this episode. Yeah, there's no way that I'm ever going to give it a name because it was just the most beautiful series of non sequiturs. (laughs) I I don't even remember which which song it was in this one. It sounded like uh, the Kinks or the Romantics. I mean, it was like late seventies, like yeah, it was sort of post punky, power poppy kind of. They're running on the barrels. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I remember this, yeah. Yeah, and it was all just like uh, straight up out of that, like, I'm fat. <laughs> Betty, I'm fast. <laughs> like vaguely British, but definitely an American band. <laughs> that was the guess who, but you know, whatever. Right. <laughs> they were an American well, band, right? <laughs> they were an American band. Um, the 
yeah, I don't know. We we the the music, I think, stayed relatively strong and consistent, but but we sort of lost control over it after a certain point. Um, we started, you know, using we have sort of a catalog of songs um, that we started dipping into uh, as yeah yeah interesting. Composing new material. Andy Sturmer was on the show. Uh, he did write a bunch of stuff. Um, I wrote some stuff. Um, but, you know, the production pace was just so fast that... Jake Monaco? We, did, he did some of them, right? Yeah, Jake, Jake yeah, yeah. Did, did, all, did all the music for the show um, and was in charge of, of, of that. So he, he wrote uh, a bunch of stuff as well. I have a weird uh, digression right now. Sure. Uh, Jake Monaco produced something that I find enormously hilarious, which is the uh, soundtrack to Frozen. Hmm. I I don't know why, but for some odd reason, on the Frozen soundtrack, the bass player, is he getting paid by the note? I don't know what's <laughs> happening. Like, that dude is working harder than the bass player from Jamiroquai. Like, right. he is like, it's... It is once you notice it, you can't unnotice it. Like you listen to like "Let It Go," and there is just moments in that song where you're just like, "What's ha like? Why are you playing a five string bass? Like, what's going on? This doesn't need to be happening." Like, dude, pump the brakes. Like, uh, Adele Menzina is singing. Like, give it up. <laughs> Right. Why did you bring in Paul Simon's bassist from Graceland? Yeah, it's yeah. the funniest thing mm -hmm. in the world to me. And I wonder, like, as a producer, like, if he if that was his direction. Anyways, that's just a direction. I, I'm going to have to listen now. Uh, uh, but uh, I, yeah, I am. I imagine um, Jake. Jake to me is enormously talented. I loved his scoring work on this show. I, yeah. I thought it was it was always just perfect. Um, and and tasteful and interesting and fun and and he did subtle. You know, I would say subtle, subtle is a word subtle, you can use. Yeah, I mean because the worst is is wah wah. You know, like any any sort of like like yeah any, any scoring scoring elements that say hey that was a joke. You know, like like <laughs> that, that sort of you know like, like yeah or like this tasteful. moment is deep. Yeah. Yeah, I I, th I think I think he he's a very very tasteful and respectful scorer and 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 his work is is brilliant. It's really really great. Um, and uh, so so I, again, I'll have to go back and listen. But I imagine if if there's something off about anything, it wasn't Jake's choice. <laughs> would be my guess because he's too good. I'm also not going to say that it's off. It's just an interesting choice. Right. Uh, it's like it's like when people talk about uh, Nick Cage's acting. He makes interesting choices. Yeah, yeah. Um, the The Wicker Man remake was one of the strangest things I've ever seen in my life. Did you see that? The uh, bees. I, I mean, just just the whole thing was just so bizarre to me. Yeah. Um, I I didn't why he was running around in a bear suit and on a bicycle and 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 he was the worst. I, I don't even know he was a detective or what he'd be walking into a room and it would be basically somebody like like putting a bloody corpse hiding it under a blanket and he'd be like 
So, have you noticed anything strange happening? And they're just so obviously guilty and hiding something. <laughs> and, and just like, no, I, uh, this is not a corpse right here. He's like okay, the anti-Columbo. Yeah, yeah, like like just oblivious. And, and then it turns into a snuff film. You know, like the last 15 minutes, sorry, spoiler, but, but they just slowly torture and kill the guy. Yeah, yeah. For like 15 minutes. You're sitting there watching it. There's no reprieve. <laughs> there's no mercy. It's just... I invested in this character. This is, you know, it's uh, great. It's great. It's great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, right. Uh, I mean, that, that, that does feel like, uh, you know, kind of what you were talking about earlier, uh, 70,000 people trying to make one thing and yeah. something gets lost in translation somewhere. Yep. I've now watched it happen in slow motion so many times that when I was younger, I thought, how could how could you mess up anything? Like, how could you make a bad Star Wars movie? How could you do? You know, how can how can anything go wrong of something that that, you know, even at whatever age I felt like I could do this, you know, yeah. uh, you know, like I could have told you that was a mistake. Yeah. How did you not see it? Like well, all the people, all the eyes on this. How did you not see, you know, um, and and now on the other side of it, I've I've watched these things happen in slow motion. It's very clear how these things happen. You know how how so many people can end up making something that is clearly you know uh, you know ill conceived. I don't. This this question is going to sound like I'm trying to give you enough rope to hang yourself, and I'm not. I'm genuinely interested. Do you feel if you were in charge? If you had, you know, limitless funds and you were able to hire the right people and all this kind of stuff, do you feel that you could make it work personally? Do you feel like you have the skill set to do that? Uh, what in particular? Like make, make a, I mean. A Star Wars movie? Yeah, I'm going to say make a Star Wars, but I'm not meaning make an actual Star Wars. Like make, like make a, a, a large scale production that takes 75,000 people to make. Do you feel like. You could like corral it and have a vision be consistent and all that kind of stuff. Well, I, I don't have the skill set to to direct a live action feature yeah. and 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 be a general of that kind of an army. I've Executive never done that. Executive produce a live action feature, uh, and I I I I I I feel like I might be able to write it. You're a fucking talented dude. I'm. Th- this isn't what I'm trying to like. Like uh-huh. I like the songs that you write. I like the shit that you write. I'm just wondering, like as Personally, me, I come across, especially now that I'm in a new, a new uh, point in my life where I'm doing a lot of things that I feel uncomfortable with, and I have to learn these new skills. It puts upon me uh, a a self-reflective moment of being like, "Wow, you can't do this, and you have to figure it out." And and are you going to be up to the task of doing that? These are the questions I'm asking myself. If you had to now be part of this, to create this large scale production and having seen it from the inside and seen these slow motion uh, uh, train wrecks, uh, Uh for lack of a better word, do you feel like you could avoid those train wrecks if you were in charge, quote unquote? And I'd like to think think I could. Yeah. All right. I would like to think that I could. Right on, Uh, dude. To to yeah, I mean if 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 the buck stop with me yeah, um, there are certainly certain things that that I would like to think I would I would have been able to uh, uh, 
make sure it didn't happen. Do you feel uh, like part of that is also like investment and create and, and uh, uh, like personal integrity in the creative process versus other uh, uh, investments? To, yeah, to a certain extent. I, I, I think that you would find in in most cases, and this is a big generalization, yeah. but with, with creative and endeavors. Not, let's also point it, not talking about anybody specifically. Absolutely not. Yes. Never. Um, the closer you get to a singular creative vision, usually the, the better the thing comes out. Mm-hmm. You know, um, whether it is a, a single uh, writer, director, uh, you know, artist um, um, or, or someone with 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 large control over over what they're doing, you know, yeah. who actually tour kind out. of people. Yeah, yeah, tour, yeah. You know, or if if at least everybody is on the same page as that vision, mm. you know, um, it's it's when you get a whole bunch of different agendas and and visions and things that that you know it's it's just impossible because it's a baton relay race you know everyone's running in a different direction mm-hmm. because you know um and bringing different skill sets and different priorities to the table yeah yeah and and the worst is is fear as uh, as a motivation for creativity you know mm-hmm. When people are are creating or acting out of fear, normally the thing is going to crash and burn. It's either they're going to walk right into whatever they're afraid of. Interesting. Um, you know, and and you find that with with oh, you know, I'm I'm afraid a six year old going to understand. I'm afraid, you know, like like when when people are are you know making decisions out of fear, they're usually making the wrong decisions. Um, you know, most things again, a, a big generalization, but but. You know, Phineas and Ferb again. It's just just a good example of something. It's just like, okay, well, that was a singular vision. I mean, two was, dudes, yeah. yes, but yeah, but but it, but but Dan and Swampy really, uh, what they wanted to do, how they wanted to do it at that particular time at Disney, they were given permission to do it the way they wanted to do it, mm. and there was very very little interference that mm. got through, and. Um, and w- everybody that they hired all were marching under the same vision. Yeah. We got the vision and they trusted us to enlarge, enhance, add to, you know. Yeah. Um, so yes, we all and. The, yes, yes, and it. Yeah. We all became the auteur of a series that sort of exponentially grew into all these little weird places and, and, and it is a, a very original, different sort of series. Yeah. And, you know, just like SpongeBob or, or you know. Well, I think, I think we briefly talked about uh, Butch Hartman posted that video recently of the Johnny Bravo uh, uh, creatives behind the scene. And right. it was, you know, Zach, uh, Zach Moncrief, uh, Van Partival, Butch Hartman, Seth MacFarlane. And and that feels like an era of, you know, auteur cartoons as well, where uh, whatever was happening at Hanna-Barbera at the time gave them the license to serve this one singular vision and sort of had this singularity that was enhanced by all these personalities. Yeah, yeah, and also taking taking a chance, doing something a little different, taking risks um, yeah. is, is is I think essential and important. Uh, otherwise, you're just not going to find anything new. True, you know, and new is good. You know, um, so 
so yeah um how did i come to scooby-doo it's a good question Uh, (laughs) nicely done (laughs) oh shit and scene uh so we do only have one segment on this podcast we are starstuck at the universe's piss does this pass the sinking test Famed philosopher of science and scientists himself, Carl Sagan, once said that he wanted an adult version of Scooby-Doo because it, in, it endorsed skepticism and the scientific method. Does this episode pass the Sagan test? What episode? Um, <laughs> what were we talking about again? Yeah. Um, uh, sure. Yeah. Of right. it does. Great. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> Why not? Think um all right uh personally if if uh, you're gonna turn it back on me i am i feel like the uh oof, i'm not gonna remember whatever the faux science name was maldehyde the maldehyde uh-huh the i think i think the whole thing of uh uh, well, he only has the 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 ghost only has one person to get, which Scooby's always the bait anyway, so that's a moot point. Right. But uh, I I liked the idea that they they wanted to see this through and they wanted to see what the actual uh, uh, situation was, and I feel like that's like kind of a Sagan esque. Uh, a thing and and you know obviously the recaps in every episode have a very uh sagan-esque sort of uh seeing the man behind the curtain aspect mm-hmm. to them i in terms of in terms of what is established you know what is positively asserted in the episode i think it mm. follows its own rules and logic well enough um yeah as much as a scooby-doo can yeah um I mean, we, it's much more than the '80s where it was just like, well, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we we tried. You know, we definitely were trying to make stuff make sense. '80s know? Hanna Barbera on the wall. I feel like just had fuck it <laughs> in the yeah. most endearing way possible. <laughs> I mean, it just depends on what their what their goals were. You know, what yeah. what what their motivation, what they want to do. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and. Uh, it's all, you know, it's it's all good. Scooby-Doo is just constantly changing from iteration to iteration, handed off to different people with different approaches and and that's the 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 beauty of it is And what is, the uh the the external forces seem to forget constantly. Yes. The fact yes. that there is, I mean, I I I famously very drunkenly on a podcast one time <laughs> said that uh 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo doesn't exist. Right. Uh, but my my purpose of saying that was that uh, the the insanity of it, the the craziness of it compared to previous versions, it's just its own entity, and there's you know the, the, it just constantly changes. So to say what is Scooby Doo is already failing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Just to define it, uh, everybody has a different idea of of what defines it. And if you look at the iterations, really. You know, and 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 considering that the original Scooby Doo was named after the dog character as an afterthought, it wasn't even <laughs> built around that character. You and know? that that was, you know, uh, theoretically somebody listening to uh, Sinatra, Sinatra yeah. at yeah. night, and you know, God's cloud opens up and light shines down, and he goes. 
(laughs) (laughs) You know, the biopic. (laughs) Yep. Uh, and and yeah and and so that brilliant uh, brainstorm of his ended up titling the show and 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 focusing it on this character for fifty um, fucking years. Yeah. Yes. And um and so for you know uh, and I've I've seen I've had this conversation um with people where you know on 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 projects I won't mention but I but I've heard okay uh you know so Shaggy and Scoopy I mean and you've seen like epi- a series where it's just Shaggy and Scoopy sure. as long as Shaggy and Scoopy are in it it seems that people can define it as Scooby Doo yeah. um probably you can even get rid of Shaggy as long as Scooby Doo because of the name Scooby Doo you probably could still define it as Scooby Doo as long as that character is in it sure um, but I have heard people say to me, okay, how do we, all right, how do we get rid of Fre- Velma, Fred, and Daphne? <laughs> you know, how do, we, how do we get them? No one cares about that. Yeah, it's called the 80s. You, know? you well, add, and, and, no, you add Scrappy. <laughs> right, exactly. exactly. The, 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 you know, the whole adding of the characters because no one's interested in the main, you know, like, yeah. I, I feel like Zach and I were the first ones to sort of say, wait a second, what about we ask, why don't people care about Fred, Daphne, and Velma? And address yeah. them. Make them care about them, you know? But also, why is Scooby-Doo the least interesting character in Scooby-Doo yes. <laughs> for the longest time? I, 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 you know, I tried really hard to 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 make Scooby as interesting as possible in this show um, by by taking that focus off him mm. and making him, you know, holding him to four words per per dialogue. You know, like either someone else has to say something or enough time has to pass. He's got a he lot can... of good one liners. Yes. And, and limiting him to four words and 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 trying to you know make those words as erudite as possible okay you know giving him sort of sort of profound weighty sort of thoughts um i thought really worked well for him i i really thought scooby had good lines it was a good character in the show um but he was definitely pulled back into the ensemble also you know? uh having done uh stupid stupid stuff uh uh another scooby-doo podcaster and i did um we did the David Bowie, uh, Bing Crosby, Little oh, Drummer yeah, yeah. Boy, uh-huh. but we did it as Bing as a as a David Bowie and Scooby Doo. That was this last Christmas, was it not? Uh, last Christmas, yeah. And then this one we did uh, Baby It's Cold Outside, but having <laughs> had to sing as Scooby Doo, mm-hmm. the more complicated the lines. I'm gonna say that Frank Welker being able to deliver those lines as enunciating as possible and still keep the character like goddamn dude god damn he is absolutely amazing (laughs) yeah yeah he 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 totally you know the he it was it was a little bit more of an adjustment for fred for him oh yeah Uh, this is a very at that point he had been doing it for 46 years yes and 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 exactly the same way maybe the trend is fred was getting dumber yes Series progressed. Yeah, um, he felt a, he felt a little foolish to me in Mister Incorporated, just this trap obsession thing. Well, but uh, even I, the the director video movies. I mean, he's like a he's dad joke the character, right? Yeah, and 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 so um, you know, our Fred was I've said this a lot. Yeah, you know, many times is was based on Gene Wilder, young Gene Wilder, specifically in Young Frankenstein. Right. Uh, 
in my mind, I was writing for Gene Wilder, and then through the magical alchemy of animation, you know, uh, uh, Frank doing the Fred voice and the way the character looked, and you know, it came out as our Fred. Yeah. You know, but um, what you- knockers? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm just gonna picture Fred saying that now. <laughs> but you can, but you can picture our Fred. You know, set a give. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, getting frustrated, and and he wants to be seen as a respectable leader. He needs to be seen as that. He needs the respect of his colleagues because he's their leader, and it's life or death situation as far as he's concerned. Yeah, it's very important. So, so um, our Fred uh, has this. Um, you know, he 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 doesn't want to be associated with you know being a Frankenstein. He's Frank Frankenstein. Yeah, know? yeah, and. Um, uh, and that was a big, a big shift. Um, and you know, but, but Frank found it really, really quickly. I thought I, I, I Fred became my favorite character at first. It was Daphne. I had a lot of fun with Daphne, but, sure. but I mean, it's um, Fred was the, my favorite character to write, you know? Um, I'm sure that's a first, uh, and, <laughs> well, sitting and, in those sessions though, how much did that inform that? I mean, seeing, you know, Frank sit there at the microphone and have fun with it and also be that relaxed with it. I mean, that has to, you know, uh, uh, there's a, a guy I really enjoy who does tutorials on mixing music. His name is Fab DuPont. And uh-huh. he talks about, you know, when you're listening to a mix, so much is going to inform your, 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 opinion of it it's going to be did you listen to it in your car how do you feel about that car all this kind of stuff i mean if you're going to these sessions and you're seeing this i mean at the time 73 year old man who's been doing this forever and who notoriously is very likable and Uh enjoys doing this work that has to inform then you go back you know, open up final draft at two in the morning <laughs> and you're like, Oh, you remember that experience? That was super fun. And that has to inform writing that. You, you know what? You know what? Every all the scripts done by the time you're recording. No, 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 no. Yeah. Everybody. Um, that main cast, Frank, Matthew Lillard, Gray, Kate, they were so good and it was so much fun. Mm. And these scripts coming to life, uh, were, were were was such was such fun um that i felt that way about all of them yeah um so it was it was just sort of the natural evolution and progression of the show where you know what my favorite thing to write or focus on would be um you know in fact i mean i i thought kate was so great i felt really bad that due to just circumstantial stuff. A lot of stuff we wanted to do with Velma sort of fell away. We didn't have room for it to service mm, all of it. Interesting. And so, so to me, Velma was underserviced as a character and never got to reach fruition. Um, and and Kate could have done it so beautifully. She yeah. was such. She brought to a vulnerability and 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 you know a social quirk, quirkiness. Uh, uh, to to Velma that that I want to play with so much more, but we just didn't have. We never got there. We never. Idle curiosity. Created. Were you a fan yeah. before? Of Kate? Yeah. Did you like like oh, Garfunkel yeah. and Oates and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I thought I thought she was terrific. Yeah. Um, and just idle curiosity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and she she was great to work with, and and we wrote that that mystery recap song for her. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, great you know. episode. 
Yeah, and that that you know, and and so it was fun to actually do music with her as well. She was just she was just a good sport and just could do anything we threw at her. And and Gray is just amazing. Sure. Um, so they all were, you know. Um, so I can't I can't necessarily go with that. Um, but but you, you know, can you just upped it to the entire cast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. They all they all they all were that good and. And they were all fighting for space in the show because I knew that they could they could do whatever, you know. Sure. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Well, yeah. uh, I don't know. I feel like that's such a wonderful note to just uh, uh, start to wrap up because it was positivity, which is like something that I love. I love when things go well and I love when I like liking things. Sure. Liking things is good. So on the note of liking things, uh, John, this has been fantastic. I've liked this episode. <laughs> uh, as, opposed, as opposed to the other one? Yeah, um, right. As opposed to getting through the yeah. whole thing and being like, Jesus, this was a mistake. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. No, this has been a goddamn blast. Uh, tell the people uh, where they can find you, what you have coming out, pimpage, all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Uh, people can find me uh, at home in a dark room in front of a computer, and uh, uh, I'm... we don't need to know about your nighttime habits. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm working on a new Lego series that's uh, super super fun. And uh, great, I, I don't know uh, what I can really say about it at the moment, apart from that. So I'm not going to. Cool. And, you have uh, a SoundCloud. Uh, I do have a SoundCloud page, but it's you know I just dump a bunch of old demos and it's 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 sort of a, a junk pile, uh, like a like a, a Salvation Army of music <laughs> that you know people want to root around in if they're welcome to, but I don't necessarily encourage it. Sure. Uh, and uh, um, you know there's there's a, a bunch of really exciting, great new stuff on the horizon that uh, I will I will everyone will know about when it's happening, but it's all. It's all looking real good and exciting. And if people want to know that you're the one doing it, you pimp it on Twitter. Yeah, or Facebook or whatever. John um, Coltonberry across all media. Yes, John okay. Coltonberry. Great. Uh, uh, well, John, thank you so much for being on. <laughs> uh, my pleasure, Nick. It's, it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. It's been I'm a, a fan of your show. Thank you. Uh, you heard it here first. Uh, this has been a free willing blast. And as always, to you and yours this holiday season, there's time, but still, there's no rhyme. What holiday season? <laughs> What's With You Scooby-Doo is a member of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. Visit StolenDress.com to check out our other Stolen Dress podcasts, blogs, tweets, videos, and books.